Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. This is a replay of my episode with happiness consultant Samantha Clark. We recorded this back in March 2020 and I loved this episode. She is a teacher, consultant and lecturer at the brilliant School of Life and she talks about happiness, workplace culture and relationships. And at the time of recording this one, she just released her first book called Love It or Leave It, How to Be Happy at Work. And it helps readers find a way to either say goodbye to the dread of the Monday morning that they currently have or find a way to move on and find something new. It's full of amazing tips and tools that will help you either love it or leave it, which is her catchphrase. And it's really useful. I found it so eye-opening and you know I love this topic so we had a really really good chat and I hope you enjoy listening to this one. This is so exciting because we met a long time ago now I think and to be sat here with your book well it will be out by the time this podcast comes out so it will be in in the world but how are you feeling? I'm feeling very excited I just can't wait for people to have love it or leave it how to be happy at work in their hands and working through it. Yeah it's going to be really helpful but we'll dig into that in a minute. I um, realised when I was writing some questions down for you that I now know you obviously as a happiness consultant for literally all of the world's biggest brands but how did you get into that because It's quite a niche job title and I guess it takes a lot of work to carve out that path. How did it come about for you? Yeah, so um, it's all about me exploring my own version of what happiness at work was. And I started out in advertising and branding a long time ago and I just didn't feel like there was the right fit for me. I wasn't wholly enthused with the products I was working on. I didn't really feel morally right. And I went on this adventure to think about what work meant for me, how I wanted to show show up differently and also what being creative meant. And I kind of went on a journey to discover some skills and um, I loved footwear. I always thought that footwear were like architecture for the feet. And so I started making shoes and I loved uh, that kind of uh, working with other creatives, making things. I did an apprenticeship and I was well on my way to start my own semi-bespoke footwear line and leave, you know, advertising behind me. And then we hit recession Mm. and the backers were like, you know, footwear is very intensive. And so I spent many evenings after that kind of hacking my skill sets and thinking, okay, I've got branding. I've now done personal styling footwear. And a friend of mine introduced me to someone who'd just been made redundant. And she said, you know what, you're a great listener. You love to problem solve. Why don't you just help him like with his confidence and stuff and maybe also get him some clothes? And we had these conversations and it kept returning to work, either his confidence about thinking about his next step or what it takes to become an entrepreneur. And I loved it. I started to give him the odd tip here and there and then he'd put it into action and I could just see that instant transformation. And then he introduced me to somebody else and someone else. And I thought, mm, this is a really interesting pathway, but I want more skills. And so I retrained as a coach and then I had a period of um, downtime with my sickle cell. I was at home and I started doing a lot of reading online around like psychology and human behavior. And that just kind of just gave me that new spirit to think about how I could redefine work based on the individual and them seeking happiness in that way. And from there, I started lecturing at the School of Life. 
which opened up a whole new floodgates of philosophy and sociology and psychology and how we could use good ideas for everyday living. And I got a break um, at a tech company. And originally they hired me to look at their marketing and uh, events. And I just said to them, look, you've got some issues with your culture. And I said, look, this is the skills that I have here and I work here and I do this. I'd love to create some sort of happiness plan for you. And they thought, mm, okay, we'll give it a couple of months. And I was there for two years as their head of happiness. And that was my beginning foray into happiness consultancy. And I roadmapped um, their kind of coaching program, their happiness chats, the events, looking at their culture. And that was my first step to starting out as a happiness consultant. I just thought, I want to consult on happiness. I want to consult on happiness at work and making sure it works for the company and the individual. It's so amazing. So I feel like you were one of the very first because I feel like now people are taking it a bit more seriously, but you were you were doing that before it became a bit of a buzz word. But it's, it's interesting because we bumped into each other in January and you literally said just a few little things just because obviously you were, well, I wasn't in full coaching mode. We were just having a drink. They have stuck with me. I keep referring back to them and I was like, oh my God, if that's what Sam offers over like a quick drink, <laughs> oh my God, you must totally transform people because it, it's the way you approach things. You you offer a new perspective. Thank you. I, I, I think I just love to help people and I think I love to shine a light on some of the dusty corners that we don't often take time to look at and just rephrase things, give people a bit more clarity and it's always been an innate thing for me to be able to connect the dots for others. And with my coaching, whether it's working with a leader in-house or I am coaching someone who's just thinking about starting a portfolio career, I really take the time to get to know them and think about what they need. And most of the time, people just want someone to listen and then to help to unpick. And I don't want to just offer pro um, solutions straight away. I want to kind of co-create them and collaborate with you to get yeah the right answers. So and it's almost it, like you're bringing it out of the person yeah. they might already know deep down. Do you know what? We are, uh, it sounds such a cheesy coaching slogan, but we are whole people and everything that you need is within you. But sometimes we just get caught up in a barrage and distractions and lots of things. And it just takes someone to say, have you thought about this? Or teasing it out slowly but surely and getting somebody to kind of see themselves in a new way and take the time to just stop and be still and just having that listening ear where somebody isn't going to be judging you or adding their preconceptions or biases it's just I'm here this is a safe space talk about it and then let's unpick stuff together and, and then rebuild it yeah it's so so worth it I, I I'm starting to realize as I get older that the best money we can spend things like that, things that can last for a long time. And so let's talk about, about your book Yay. because it's called Love It or Leave It. And what I thought was so genius about this book is it's kind of the book you need instead of the whole like quit your job mm -hmm. thing because you're basically helping someone. You really, hand, not handhold, but you, you guide people in a very kind of thoughtful way of do you want to stay or do you want to go? Mm. And how do you work that out? Because as we all know, it's very rare that you can just jump ship. You really get under, get to grips with the realities of it. And I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, because I think I've lived through some of those realities myself. You know, I've had the peaks and the troughs, the money worries, the concerns, the ill health, the inner job, starting entrepreneurship. And I think the reality is that 
the advice or the old advice around quitting your job, it doesn't really help the people who are multiple potentialites, you know, the people who love to do many things and those who aren't innately entrepreneurial as well. And there is nothing wrong with actually loving your job. I think that we've gone so far away that like everyone needs to be an entrepreneur. Um, some people really love their jobs. And I meet people who are just thinking, do you know what? I came to your workshop, your love it, leave it workshop. And you, I came with the intention that I must quit my job. And then suddenly I realized if I changed my attitude towards my coworkers, or I really thought about the value that I bring to the company and where our values are aligned, like things seem so much better. And so I wanted to offer people two direct pathways. You know, if you're going to fall in love with it, these are the ways that you can look at not only yourself, because it all starts with you and you have to take personal responsibility for your own happiness. But what can you do around the ecosystem of your company, whether it's taking a look at the culture, getting on with your co-workers, if you need more money, how do you pitch yourself in for that? And also realizing that you don't need to uh, your job doesn't always have to be everything. Much like your partner or your friendships, you will get something from someone and you'll get something else from somebody else and they don't need to be 100%, nor does your job. So it might mean some more out of work indulgences, as, as I put it. And leaving it is, okay, it's too toxic for you. It's not right. Find another job or start a portfolio career, which I feel is that nice hybrid between either renegotiating your hours at work and starting with a hobby and testing it out and trialing it or putting together all of your different left and right brain things that you love to do in your life. So I really wanted to guide people through that because I think there's a lot of noise and distractions and especially as we get older we have so many more responsibilities mortgage kids everything else like jumping ship is not realistic. Yeah and sometimes um, sometimes you can leave a job and then be like oh crap I shouldn't have left like it was actually really good and I could have fixed it and actually so I have so many friends that have actually gone back to an old job and yeah. gone sorry just kidding yeah. <laughs> didn't really want to leave but what I thought was amazing about your book and I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people in terms of the companies themselves understanding what people want more because mm. actually I think the problem now is people leaving and actually the company losing really good talent all the time a hundred percent. And it's so interesting that you touch on that. I had a coaching session with a lady and um, she is exiting her company and she said, you know, should I tell them why I'm leaving um, or should I just, you know, quit? And I said, it's really important that you feed back and that you do these kind of um, offboarding sessions in the right way and let them know some of the things that need to be rejigged and reworked in the culture because otherwise they're not going to know mm. and people will just continue to leave and it's all right for you yeah hey I've got something new but what about the people you leave behind and the cultures that will stay ingrained and broken to a certain degree and I think companies do have a responsibility to really listen and figure out what do we need to make this place a bit more of an ecosystem that enables people to flourish and feel good and feel heard and seen and that they can bring their best selves. And if we're not doing that, how can we change it? Yeah. And sometimes it's simple things, isn't it? Yeah. Also, happiness at work is such a convoluted thing. Like we need to do these big grand gestures and these parties and all of that. And it's just a simple informal chats, you know, taking the time to get to know somebody, taking the time to get to know the team, thinking about ways that as a team you can hack things that aren't working. In my work with corporates, I look at my four pillars of happiness. So what is happening across digital and mindful? Like what are you doing to kind of look at technology and the impact that that has on someone's happiness levels? Thinking about 
communication and connection that is like a core problem especially if a company is remote like how are we working what are the barriers to great communication head and heart like where is the psychological safety in the company for people to talk about things that are working aren't working um do they feel safe to put their ideas on the table and then work and life is that kind of almost harmony mix between what are the processes and systems we have in place in the company and how are they helping or hindering somebody in the rest of their life Mm -hmm. and so I get companies to really map out where they sit across those four pillars and what needs to change and how they can progress forwards with that. Do you have a lot of in your one-on-one coaching as well is it simplistic to say that a lot of it comes down to people and and the relationships because I I don't know if this comes up a lot in your sessions but I'm a super sensitive person Mm -hmm. and actually it suits me to be self-employed and work alone a lot because I would take some like not like a toxic environment it's probably too dramatic but if a colleague said something mean on an email or like was really snappy with me mm-hmm. I mean I've, pro- I've probably learned a lot now I haven't worked in an office for a while mm-hmm. but in my early 20s like that would like kind of fester away and I would end up just feeling stressed by the relationships more than anything yeah I, I, and I think it is a big thing you're right I had a comment from a lady who had read the book and she said you know what there were some relationships in the workplace that were really stressing me out and then I realized that if I took a moment to just think within myself about why I was triggered what's going on with the relationships and how I can start to act and be differently and how that's starting to shape and change the relationships I'm having. And so we need to see relationships almost like containers for growth. They are ways in which we can address, change or welcome behaviours in ourselves and think about why somebody's um, vibe is rubbing us the wrong way and what we can do to think about that, how we can address that with them as well so we can have an open and frank conversation and start to move on from there because, you know, relationships, you'll you'll need to get on in relationships in any area of your life, whether you choose to work self-employed or you know, we're having it, we're in a relationship right now, you know, getting to know each other and on this podcast, even though you are self-employed, you're in relationship with mm-hmm. your, your team and your, your agent, you know, so we have to figure out how to interact with people because we're not living kind of in some igloo somewhere out in uh, in Iceland somewhere. It's just kind of, we are going to be always mixing with people and it pays to think, how can I show up differently or what do I need differently from that relationship and how can I articulate that? Yeah. And also what do I like myself? And then I can pass that on. It's like, I've realized that, you know, when just someone emails you going, this is really great or thank you. <laughs> like Just saying thank you. Just being really kind of appreciative of someone. Mm. I know how that makes me feel. So I'm like, I'm going to do that more. Exactly. Yeah. Which is really, is really nice. I like in your book as well that you make a point that it's not just about young people, this book. Mm. It's like you coach all different ages and actually in some ways it might be more relatable to older people who are changing it up a bit. Yeah, because I do think there's a lot geared towards the younger individuals starting out there and they're born in a, such a great time where technology, you know, you've seen this, like how it's really fueled and elevated your career in so many new ways. And I just worry that there's not enough out there speaking to the person who is maybe in their late 30s, early 40s, who, you know, has a kid and has been working in a particular job for a while, yeah. or maybe they have mortgages, or maybe they have aging parents, and 
they're trapped. You know, I spoke to a, a woman at the end of my um, workshops and she is the main uh, breadwinner in our household and she has three kids and she's like, I'm trapped in this job because I have to be mm. um, and I don't know how, how else to move on. And I just wanted to speak to that and to offer them some real kind of um, steps to follow and to think, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel and you can achieve it this way. It doesn't have to be the all or nothing big leap. It can be incremental if you're willing to be patient and also think about your financial runway properly as well. Like how are you managing your money and your overheads and what have you saved? What could you put into this pot and that pot? And so I definitely wanted to help an audience that I see, not only in my School of Life workshops, my Guardian masterclasses, but who I'm also coaching too. And whilst I do get younger clients, I'm also just getting people who are over 35 upwards, even in their kind of late 40s, early 50s, thinking, okay, I've done this for ages. What's next for me? Yeah, that's amazing. Do you coach a mixture of people in terms of like, it's not just women or is it mainly women or... So I've seen a change over the years. It used to be predominantly women. And um, now when I do my workshops, I'm starting to see almost a 50-50 split. And I'm getting more male clients, especially through corporates. And I think they are, in some ways, I'm seeing a reflection of what's going on in the household. So, you know, maybe their uh, wife is working differently or their partner is looking at work differently and they want to show up differently as well they don't want to they don't feel tied to just being in that breadwinner position so they want to change things I think they're also becoming a bit more open to talking about what's not working work-wise mm-hmm. and that it doesn't have to be this competitive race maybe they're a bit tired as well for some um, and they just want to figure out how to be a better self-leader in their life um, when it comes to their career yeah it's funny I was actually watched something you shared I was about to tell you about the thing that I found via you that Gary Vaynerchuk <laughs> yeah. video about um, in a nutshell it he was saying if you're in your 40s jump now or, or do something now make a change now mm. even if you're taking a pay cut even if you're like uprooting your family because you don't want to be 70 mm-hmm. and think oh, I just stayed because it was easier. Yeah. And I loved his point around, you know, all of those wasted hours in the week that we, you know, were sitting in front of the TV or, you know, you're using that as a distraction or a discharge from work. But actually, if you just spent, and I always say this to people, like the time that you invest in your next thing, it's going to help you twofold. And all of that um, wasted time that you're kind of not really doing anything or you're procrastinating like that's time to do some research to start plotting to start thinking about some experiments you could make and do it slowly and often yeah yeah instead of I always say that like just 30 minutes mm. on a Sunday instead of and and watch Netflix what you know binge everything you know that is important too of but, course <laughs> but, but you'll feel so much better if you do a little bit of something mm. moving you forward instead of nothing yeah because I think some people you know they'll say to me oh I really want to move into photography I say oh that's great what are you doing around it mm, I don't know I'm, I'm I'm looking at some great magazines and I'm like okay consistently try and take a photo every what is it about photography that you like do you want to curate an exhibition do you want to train people on how to use this particular equipment do you want to take photos of landscapes like ask yourself those questions and use that 30 minute slot a Saturday morning to test drive it out speak to some photographers yeah and that's the thing about your book is I like the fact that although you're an extremely good listener and very welcoming in your approach there's parts of the book where I'm like it's a little bit of tough love here yeah like when you're just like 
you know, human beings, we don't like change. Change is uncomfortable. Change is scary. We would rather not. But, you know, you have to make these choices and like take risks in life because mm. making change is difficult for a reason, I think. Yeah, I think, um, you know, change is never easy, but it's always good when you feel it on the other side. And if if it hasn't worked out the way, there's a learning in it. And I just don't want people to be stagnant and stuck and think, oh, well, it's better off if I just stay here. Like change is just a lot of upheaval, but you just don't, you never know. And again, I'm not advocating the massive big change. It's like slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. I Instagrammed this very cheesy quote the other day, which was like a pair of trainers. And it said, it's not the speed, it's the direction. Mm, Exactly. That's beautiful. I do like that. And I I abide by that. I think as long as I'm just going in the right direction, it literally could be a 10 year plan. It's like slowly, slowly. But I wanted to ask you, because you are a happiness consultant, mm-hmm. do you ever feel the pressure to constantly be happy? And, oh. how, and how do you deal? Because obviously not everyone is 100% happy the whole time. Of course not. Yeah. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because uh, there's always a question I get. It's like, how are you happy? Are you constantly happy? And the answer you is... You are a very happy person, I, I, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you know what? Generally I am. Yeah. I feel like... For me, I I think it's about riding the waves. You know, I've had some real trough points in my life. I think my sickle cell is definitely an area where I do get unhappy with that um, when I've been in hospital or I'm in pain. It, it and is, is that a yeah? So it's um, it is a chronic blood disorder. It's genetic. Um, it just means that about sixty percent of my cells are like in the shape of a sickle. And if in extremes of cold, hot, um, if I'm run down, tired or I've got a very low immunity, I can get like pains in my joints. And so much so that the the blood will clump up and it does require hospital admission because it's extreme pain Mm. and morphine and, you know, a couple of weeks in bed. And that for me is sometimes where I definitely have to call on my happiness um, mantras and moments where I'm you know, getting into my meditation, reading, surrounding myself with great people. I love to cook and try out new recipes. So I kind of really use that to top up my happiness tank. And I think it's important that you do find those ways to kind of keep enriching yourself. And I love my work, obviously. Mm. So like that gives me so much joy. And when I can't do it because I'm sick, I get really frustrated. So those are the times when I say I'm definitely not at my happiest. But I think in life, you've got to learn to ride the rough and the smooth and see it almost as, you know, uh, my friend always says it's my superhero power. Uh, The fact that I, you know, I go through that and then I just rebound and I'm back on it again and I'm just helping people and supporting. And I do feel like it has been a blessing in my life in some ways, you know, that it's helped me be stronger. And I think, um, yeah, I just think it's helped me find my version of happiness that is about that contentment and fulfillment and just living as each day being blessed and grateful. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. Because I remember when we were chatting a while ago, you really helped me around boundaries because I was struggling a little bit with with a few because I just do struggle with saying no to people and things like that. Mm. And... And I wondered if maybe going through that as well has a quite naturally built a boundary. It's like you can't get run down. That's not good for you. So therefore, how it's almost like it's very important that you set a boundary. Yeah. And I think I think it's important for everybody, you know, even as you know, you and I are both self-employed, but also people who are leaders, managers, mums, 
you know, people creating nurses. Like, I think you have to understand what you need to flourish first before you help others, because whatever you give out is just not going to be great. And you know that you're serving from an empty well. Mm-hmm. And so it's always about what are the boundaries um, that you need? And you said this recently as well, that you really respect people when they tell you no, because mm. it just means they have strength in their conviction. You know w- what they stand for and what they won't, and you know where the line is. And yeah. I think we all need to get better at showcasing what our lines are. And I talk about that in the book as well, like especially when you are thinking about a career transition or moving in any direction, setting up some boundaries from the get-go because you'll have lots of well-meaning friends and families who will say certain things and push you over the edge and you've got to say, actually, I'm going on this journey. This is what I'm going to be learning about myself. It might not be successful from the get-go, but if I want your support, I will definitely ask for it and I would hope that you give it. If not, I'm not going to tell you about stuff. Yes, such such good advice. It's funny, that no thing, when I realised that I respect people that say no, actually came from when I used to work at an agency. I reached out to this influencer who's still huge now, but she was like a maybe medium size then. And the agency had offered her so much money to, to take part in this campaign and she turned it down and she said, you know, this doesn't fit with my morals. Obviously, everyone should be doing that. But it was back when it was a bit less rigid with the Mm. the ads and things and I just look at her now still and I'm like you're so great Mm. I know how much you turned down and it's so cool Mm. with the book coming out so soon slash being out now um, what are you most excited about with with people kind of reading it and getting in touch and do you know I'm on a mission to help I set myself this crazy target of helping a million individuals to uh, really kind of Uh, I'd fall in love with their job or leave. And I just want people to um, be open to the journey, to be reflective, to do the exercises, to experiment, to ask questions, to reach out and to, to just... I don't know, buy the book, but also pass it on to somebody else who's in need. You know, I I did an amazing talk the other day for a clothing brand and these two sets of sisters they were like you know I brought my sister along because she really needs help and I don't know how else to help her so I thought you know this would be a good session so and that's what I just said when we sat down I've given your book to my sister yeah exactly because I read I read it and obviously it was brilliant but then I was like I know someone who Who needs needs this this. immediately Yeah, yeah so buy it for yourself buy it for a friend buy it for a family member and just share the love and just you know I really want people to find and create that work happiness for themselves and make it a priority because we spend so much time doing this thing, you know, using our skills and our strengths and trying to live on purpose. And I want you to do it in the right way. That feels good for you. Yeah. And just ending on this note, because I've been interested in like the meaning of happiness, Mm. as, as we all are. Do you think, and I know this is really hard to define, but do you think happiness sometimes is actually a very quiet, content feeling? It's not necessarily walking down the street with like, your headphones in and smiling at the sun which is obviously a lovely feeling but sometimes it's like you get home from work no real drama happened mm-hmm. you, you're with your partner or whoever and you make a cup of tea and you think like life's good yeah brilliant like that that's for me totally it. it's that quiet contentment and ease and um just peace as well i think yeah. that kind of just slow gradual beautiful gratitude I love that. I love, I really want to end on that note because that's just the book in a nutshell, isn't it? And the work yeah. that you do. So, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And if you want to hear more, 
please do go and buy the book and listen to the Love It or Leave It podcast as yes. well. So um, if you just head to the website, loveitleaveit.co, you'll find out about the book. Obviously, Love It or Leave It, How to Be Happy at Work. And the podcast is Love It or Leave It. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me.